I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddo, and I will be the ringmaster for The War of the Words, which will be happening a little later between two fabulous writers. My first guest is the gardening correspondent for The New Yorker and wins first prize for the job title alone. And the author of five novels, these include Daughters of Jerusalem, When We Were Bad and Almost English, which was longlisted for both the Booker Prize and the Women's Prize for Fiction. Here to tell us about her latest book, The Exhibitionist, it's Charlotte Mendelssohn. Hello to you. Hello, Joe. Lovely to have you with us, Charlotte. And my second guest is a writer, workshop leader, and award-winning arts PR consultant, don't you know? Her debut young adult novel, Bearmouth, was awarded the Waterstones Children's Book Prize and was chosen as Children's Book of the Year in The Times, no less. Here to tell us about her debut adult novel, which is called The Gifts, it's Liz Hyder. Welcome to you, Liz. Hello. I'm so Hello. excited to be here. <laughs> Uh, well, we've we've waded through technical swamps to make it here, and Liz, Charlotte, Charlotte, Liz. It's so lovely to meet you, Charlotte. And I've I've I love the exhibitionist. I'm I've got I've got so many questions. I'm Ooh, so excited yum. about it. It's it's wicked. It's wickedly darkly funny and fabulous and <laughs> amazing. I loved it. I've got all the questions. You're a sweetheart. Thank you so much. And I've only read a little bit because I um. I've actually unusually got three novels on the go for different reasons, and I'm finding it very stressful, but I allowed a tiny <laughs> window to open. So I started The Gifts, and so far I just think, how the hell are you so daring and confident? It's amazing. It's so exciting to have that confidence or apparent confidence in in just writing such an exciting subject. Honestly, I'm really impressed. Oh, wow. I'm really a bit annoyed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this bit of the recording in treasury. I'm gonna wear it as an amulet, like a kind of a massive to, to cyber off, amulet to ward off the evil of you know good reads. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's how it works. That's how it works. Um, oh, bless you. Thanks. We're, we're going to talk about your two new books uh, over the next thirty minutes or so. Both brilliant novels. I love them both. We also do the book off, of course, which is where each of you gets to pitch as a book that you absolutely love and think we should all read. And I must tell you, Liz, Charlotte's pretty fired up about this. She's feeling pretty competitive today. Wow. I'm, I'm really interested to know what your one is. Um, 
Did you find it difficult to choose? Because I kind of managed to narrow it down to about three and then I was umming and ahhing quite a lot. Um, I actually didn't because I just immediately chose the book that I always am absolutely evangelical about. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal its title yet. but um, Go on, you, of course you can, of course you can. It's Villette. Oh! Have you read it? Yes, a long time ago. It's a strange, oh odd, haunting book. It's a strange, odd, haunting book. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm obsessed and um, slightly bonkers about it. And there are other books that I did then think, oh, well, I also love blah, 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 blah. But the thing is, Villette... Like everyone I've ever taught creative writing to either has now read it and loves it or will never read it because it's like their mum saying, eat more cabbage. It's like, I'm, <laughs> it's no a one good escapes. Book for you. It's good for yeah, you. Yeah, no one escapes my, my loopy Villette campaign. <laughs> so I'm bloody going to do it on this. <sighs> I can't wait. I literally can't wait. I ne- I ne- yeah I nearly went for Cranford actually because that's probably one of the books that I've shoved into people's hands so many times oh, just because it makes me laugh so much it's such a funny book and like you know North and South is is not <laughs> and Cranford feels so different and I do I do love it but I didn't go for that either yeah that's interesting because I read Cranford a long long time ago and I really enjoyed it and I can't remember anything about it and I've meant to read I've meant to read North and South ever since and I never have shall I or shall I just reread Cranford reread Cranford okay. there you go decision made <laughs> yeah that's really fun okay, done. North and South Tick. is fantastic but it is I mean it is you know it is um it's grim up north it's you know and and um the, the death count is high <laughs> um I mean it's a brilliant book but I I love she's so good at writing lightness and there's so much lightness in Cranford and it's yeah. so beautifully well observed and so I just love it. I think it's such a great okay. book. And it's also, it's really it. short, so you can read it really quickly. It's a massive bonus. Just to say it. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Especially when you've got three novels on the go, Charlotte. Yeah, <laughs> you need yeah. a short one. <laughs> a snack novella in between your, your three books in, on the go, juggling. Okay, I actually will. Thank you. Doctor. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the exhibitionist then, because this is um, a book that's uh, be, well. Uh, it's it's been nine years, I think, since your last novel, it has. Um, it has. which is amazing. So this is a very long-awaited uh, novel for all us Charlotte Mendelssohn fans. Uh, perhaps you could just start by telling us about the family that is the centre of this story and sort of set up the the start of this book for us. I want you to know that this is my first sort of exhibitionist specific event because it's it's out wow. in a month and so um i have i don't know how to talk about it yet so this is going to be <laughs> you're, hilarious you're going to learn as we um, go i have no idea how to describe this book so it's about a family which my books always are um they're called the hanrahans and they are the parents are artists um and the father is a very difficult briefly very famous and less so now um painter and his wife is a sculptor who's sort of to those in the know on the up but in the family that's a bit of a taboo subject because Ray is so tricky and they have three adult children two of whom still live at home Um, and so it's what I love writing about which is basically a pressure cooker Um, but the modern pressure cookers don't explode so maybe I need to change my analogy Um, I love writing about people in very claustrophobic environments where everyone thinks they know everything about them, but their inner lives are completely at odds with how they're meant to be. 
So everyone's in love with the wrong person or hates the wrong person or is losing their marbles or whatever. And then the pressure builds and builds until absolute chaos. So the book is a sort of, it's only set over 48 hours and it's from where things look like they're okay to bedlam. And waving my arms around. A perfect way of describing it. And Liz is nodding as well. I think you've nailed it. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, thanks. Good. Phew. And Ray is like magnificently monstrous. He's he's a horrible man. He's a magnificent. He is that monstrous and magnificent. He is he is awful. Good. (laughs) I was I was so mad at him like just so unbelievably mad at him and, and um just oh, by like page 20 I was just I just sort of really had a deep-seated <laughs> dislike for, for this man <laughs> well it was funny it's I, I like writing about awful people but obviously <laughs> and I don't believe that thing you know how science on Amazon reviews people go you yeah, one star I didn't like any of the characters I don't think that's I think that's not sensible I think you can love reading about awful characters but the difficult thing is getting that balance so mm. with Ray I didn't want to inhabit his point of view I want to inhabit the lives of all the people who are sort of narcissistically bruised by him because he's such an arse, if I'm yeah. listening to <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, Storm Eunice is... Uh, is, is she kicking off outside? Kicking off some outside, outside the window there. Um, so, And right at the beginning of the book, we meet Lucia, who is uh, Ray's wife, who's sort of put her own career second and and many other things you know second for her family and for him and i want do you do you think this is still a common thing in in couples who work in the same field i think it's enormously common because it's funny i've been writing about this um i think it's enormously common because writers and other artists um are often but obviously not always um introverted, oversensitive, thin-skinned, analytical, bit neurotic. And I say that lovingly as one who spends her entire life working with these people. Um, And so in a way, they're the worst people to be novelists, but they're the worst people to be with other ones as well. So I think all artists are tricky and two together is potentially a bit of a recipe for disaster, but it can work. It's just that with someone like Ray, who's a narcissist and wildly competitive and imposes his feelings on everyone else, of course it doesn't. So the only way to stay married to him is suppress everything. And so I suppose the point with Lucia is that she reaches the point where things can't be suppressed any longer. So of course there's going to be, you know, extreme drama. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it yeah. made me think, Charlotte, of um, an artistic couple called, uh, well, Idris Khan and Annie Morris, who are married and they're both artists and they sort of share, they have their own studios, but they're connected. And I um, I just think they're, oh, they're wonderful and they're so supportive of each other's work as well. And it's just so interesting that they have found this way to be. And they do very, they do different arts as well they do different um disciplines so i'm sure that Mm. slightly helps but it 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 just put me in mind of that because it made me think oh i i sort of know of this couple who are actual artists who who 
work That's together almost. Yeah. I it's funny because I've I've met so many you know, it's a revolting phrase, but kind of creative couples over the years and <laughs> so few of them do work successfully like that. Or they work re- rarely they work successfully in private in public yeah. everyone says yes 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 he's very supportive because of course they're going to say that um but i think rarely in public in private does it work and i think the way it works it helps if they do different disciplines but so do ray and lucia i think actually it's about people being secure enough not to take out their insecurities on the other person so ray can't deal with the slightest smallest success for lucia um so and if they were both, you know, I don't know, doctors or whatever, I think it would be the same. I think Ray just is basically impossible to be married to. And but being an artist kind of, you know, exacerbates that because artists are meant to behave badly. There's also the element that he did have the success as well, which which plays into it. He did have the it, success, but I think I think his personality is just not. It's just a bit unfortunate. And the thing is that Lucia, who married him when he was older and more successful, well, he's always older than her, um, but you know, she was younger, he was older, he was more successful. It was incredibly glamorous and exciting. And then 30 years later, she's sort of compressed and repressed mm. and depressed and frustrated and stuck. But actually, uh, things are brewing to make her have to change things because that's what fiction's about isn't it it's the point where things change where the status quo can't remain the same and that's what well that's one of the things i find incredibly exciting is when can't people keep up the pretense anymore Hmm. Hmm. um i want to come back and, and talk about it a bit more in a moment charlotte um liz if i could just uh come to you and talk about the gifts and i'm right in thinking that it was about 11 years ago now that you moved out of London and you went to Shropshire, which is where you live, and you found these surroundings pretty inspiring, I'd say, to your writing, haven't you? Yeah, it was tw- it's 12 years ago this year. So um, 12, yeah. my top tip is for people who make a big move, wherever it, wherever it is or whatever it is, if you do it in a year that's really easy to remember, like a nice even year, like 2010. Uh, yeah, so it's 12 <laughs> years ago. And, yeah, I have. I um, It's a really... It's a really interesting place. I'm in South Shropshire in a little town called Ludlow, which is um, it's ancient. So St Lawrence's Church, which is kind of right in the centre of town, which is sort of known as the Cathedral of the Marches. And it is a spectacular building, but it was built on like a Neolithic long barrow. So there's just like so many layers of, of history here and so many layers of history sort of in the hills surrounding you, like every every sort of every hill has like a hill fort at the top, pretty much. Um, and I just find I find that inspiring and I find being surrounded by by a very different sort of beauty because I think cities are beautiful as well I'm not you know I love London um and I love Manchester and I love Bristol and I love Cardiff you know I love I love cities mm. but for me being here there's something about being rooted in a um in a more rural environment that has kind of brought back to life my love of nature that I kind of had as a kid that was always been mm. there but it's sort of maybe a little bit hidden and I, and it's kind of been allowed to to reemerge so yeah, I've, I've... Um, can I just say something hilarious, which is my old English teacher lives in Ludlow. No, yes. and my oh, other old English teacher lives near Ludlow. Yes, no way. So it's no obviously way. the best town in the world. Hey, that's amazing! <laughs> oh my god, how exciting! Why haven't we all moved to Ludlow? I know. Why haven't we moved to Ludlow? <laughs> 
this has changed. We'd like to announce that this is now a relocation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shove the books. Let's talk Real about the locations. Time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. A, it's a, do you know what? It's, I'm not surprised though because it is. It's. It's it's an extraordinary place. It's an extraordinary town, and it's full of all sorts of amazing, interesting, weird, arty, creative people. Loads of musicians, lots of writers, lots of artists. It is, it's a yeah. It's 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 an amazing place. It's a little gem. I love oh your holding. I'm so envious. It. Also, it's famous for food. I mean, why am I here right now? <laughs> I'm getting on a train as soon as Eunice calms down. You need to you need to come up for the food festivals. The food festivals I are really huge fun. Do I'm just saying. I, I <laughs> this has gone this, in an unexpected direction. This has, but you know, I'm loving the fact that we're already planning our trip to the food festival, Charlotte. This <laughs> we is great. Are. And, I you actually know. am. Yeah. We'll take uh, we'll we, take you on a tour around as well. You know, come on, you should do yeah. it. It'd be wicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I've actually only ever been to Hay once, and not for the festival. And I've often thought, why do I not live in a town of second-hand bookshops? So, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I'm going to go, which is it, west, urgently. Well, yes, Hay's yes. only like 50 minutes from here, I'm just saying. Oh, so, you know, you could kind of live in Lardo and then visit Hay, bankrupt, bankrupt yourself on all those, like, lovely, yeah. lovely yeah. first edition, ancient, lovely antique books. Oh, yum. That's the only problem with going to Hay. You come back checking your bank account, thinking, what happened? I'm so- <laughs> yeah, but I do that. I do that on Kentish Town, Kentish Town Road because I oh, really every single charity shop I have to go into and buy a rucksack full of books every single time I pass. Yeah. Did you, I'm obsessed. Did you used to go to Charing Cross? Because I, I was at Charing Cross Road the other day, and um, and it it's not full of bookshops in the way that it used it's to be. It's not what it was. It's not what it was, and you know what? I miss it. But my mm. my bank account is definitely happier that it's not what it was. I mean, I used to go down there. Well, I worked at the British Library for a bit before university, and that Did makes you? it sound a lot more glamorous than it was. It was basically moving moving books from from shelf on shelf to another. So I was a shelf stacker. You were a porter, basically. A, a porter, yeah, a book porter. Yeah. But I got paid on a Friday, like every week. So on a Friday, I'd be like. Let's go down, and then I'd come home with like two bags of books every week, and it was well. The way I basically motivate myself to do anything, whether it's a walk or work or anything, is a basically secondhand bookshop or a charity bookshop. And I live in London, so it's really (laughs) very. In fact, my accountant said you've got to stop buying books. Hey, when the Which accountant says it, <laughs> yeah, you've really you know. got to take note. I did for about a week. Oh, yeah. But actually, can I just say, I'm sorry, Joe, I know we're going miles off subject, but just very quickly, I spent a lot of time thinking, I wish I could leave my house and quickly be in the country. Mm. Because more and more I love nature and I don't get very much of it where I live. Or yeah. I get very specifically urban nature. And I fantasise a lot about moving somewhere where I can get into the country. But then I don't know if I don't know if it's for the likes of me. Yeah. I think yeah. it's I'm I think it's I think it's for everyone. I think I think I mean, I'm very lucky, you know. Like, I came, I, I came here on, I came here on holiday, basically. That's, and then I kept coming back. I was like, oh, such a I lost place. your passport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm still here. I was, I, I, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm still in Ludlow, um, but I just kept coming back, and I loved it. And then it was that whole thing of like, oh, maybe, 
maybe we could retire there one day. And then I, I was like, I'm still in my thirties. What? I, I'm not going to retire. Yeah. Like Ludlow does, you know, does not need more retired people. And then, it, <laughs> and then, and then, so we just, so we, we, we just moved. My husband got made redundant from his job at the time. And we were like, well, let's see this as an opportunity. I was freelance anyway. So we came and we didn't know anyone. And in retrospect, it seems quite a reckless move. Like let's move to that town that we've been to on holiday quite a lot, but we don't really know anyone there. Yeah. And um yeah, within within like a couple of months, we we knew that we wanted to stay, and then it's just been a case of trying to make it work for us. But we had friends that moved to Orkney around the same time as well, and a friend that moved mm. to South America. So we were like, ours was not <laughs> ours was not the most reckless move. I think going to South America on your own was a, a really ballsy move by by my friend Tracy Chandler. Hats off to that lady. Hi, Tracy. Hats off, Tracy. Hats off, Tracy. I have not regretted it, and I love I love going back to London. Like London is sort of always will always still feel like home in a way, particularly Walthamstow, um, even though it's obviously changed a lot a lot since I left. I was I was obviously holding it back. Now it's become trendy. Um, but, but, <laughs> Thank God she's gone. As Let soon as she girls. left, you should have seen it. Oh, all these nice Swedish cafes opened. <laughs> Suddenly, enormously Farrow and Ball. My God. <laughs> yeah. I left and the Farrow and Ball trucks came in to replace yeah, me. Yeah, yeah right, she's gone, she's gone. Beep, 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 as the lorries are bursting. <laughs> I love it. I've not had that effect. I need to move out of Ludlow and then Ludlow will probably become really trendy as well. Oh, then it'll become super trendy. Super trendy. Can you let me know before you do, and we might, uh, you know, maybe yeah. we should put put a little place uh, investment in there so that it blows up when you leave. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, but talking of London, Liz, and uh, of the gifts, we're we're talking about London 1840 here. What was it that drew you to Victorian London for this book? And maybe you could just set up the story of the gifts for us. Um. What drew what drew me to London for it? Um, well, that's a hard, that's a hard question. <laughs> um, I mean, I you know I love London anyway, and obviously having grown up there, but um, I've always loved I've loved I love Victorian literature, and um, mm. I love books that are set in that time period anyway. And the, and it's and it's such a period of change that like we talk about the Victorian era as if it you know as if it was a kind of a, a separate thing, but you know it's it's not. It's not like the Georgian era goes into the Victorian era. It's just a way of us kind of defining different kind of yeah. periods. And because you know, obviously, Queen Victoria lived forever. <laughs> that whole time period had such an incredible amount of change going on it, going on in it, and that was something that really appealed to me. Like how at the beginning, um, things are so different, and then you have like such technological change. You have huge societal change. It you know it makes it makes for a really kind of potent setting for me, like a potent kind of setting in terms of, uh, of period. Um, yeah. The Gifts is, is sort of the story of, of, of four women, really. So it's historical fiction with a bit of a twist. Um, and it's uh, a, a botanist, an artist, a storyteller, and I've got an aspiring young journalist as well. And their mm. tales become interwoven with that of a really ruthlessly ambitious young surgeon in, in, in London. Um, and it opens with one of the women um, who's a botanist um, growing a pair of spectacular wings. Um, and it's a visceral kind of bloody experience. Um, and it kind of goes goes from there, really. It's sort of a tale of danger and obsession, I suppose. But it is also about mm. fundamentally our relationship with nature and the importance of sort of looking up and out at the world. And that was something that I was, you know, I really, I really wanted to write about women because Bearmouth was a very intense, dark dystopian sort of little thriller but it is 
set in a working coal mine, so therefore it's a very male-dominated world. And for this, I knew mm. I wanted to do something that was completely different. So yeah, it's 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 about women, and it's yeah, set in London and also and, in Shropshire, obviously. I'm basically and, lazy, and, obviously in and I can't be bothered to. <laughs> so it's set, it's set in London, uh, Shropshire, and Orkney, where I where I've also been quite a lot as well. So that's my set. I know them all. I know. I write right about them. It's just set. It's just set at a place where I know. <laughs> that's interesting, isn't it? Though. I'm thinking a lot about that because I'm starting my... I can never remember how many novels I've written. I'm starting my sixth five. novel. And You've written five. I've written five, thanks. thanks. Yeah. This is your sixth. Dad, that's welcome. amazing. Is, no, no, no. I'm starting my sixth now. Yeah, this is and, your sixth, yeah. Yeah, this is my sixth. And, um, and I spend a lot of time trying to think, am I more interested in places I know really well or places I don't? And for me, it's not laziness. It's almost more... Um, what stimulates me? Yeah, I was because being research actually, yeah, I, I was being yeah, I know. It's not but what I mean is, re- research yeah. is actually a lot easier than making stuff up, isn't it? <laughs> um, so it's <laughs> it's. Um, but it's an interesting. So I keep changing where it's set because I keep. I keep not knowing whether I want familiar or different. Yeah, but but the thing is, because you've gone, you're writing about the Victoria era and. Obviously, I'm assuming you haven't grown wings and you haven't been a surgeon. You've got a lot of difference. Whereas I, so far, have written about contemporary people in a world not dissimilar to mine. So maybe it's the finding the difference somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know. That's a really it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I like. I can't. I, I suppose I like a bit of both, really, because it is about that, and also it's about. I think you know, having grown up in London, having having, you know, sort of worked in all sorts of different places all over, all over pretty much all all over London at some place or another. Um, going back and walking it and looking at those streets with your sort mm. of kind of, you, your Victorian hat on, um, you know, and, and sort of looking at the yeah. architecture and seeing what, what would have been, what still exists, what is yeah. older, what would have still been there and imagining yeah. what those streets might have looked like. There's something really, you look at it in such a fresh way that you look at those mm. buildings, you look at that experience, you look at kind of how much things have changed. It kind of, I, I find that that's really in, inspiring. So although it's a familiar mm. place, I'm looking at it in a way that is, it does, it brings difference to it because you're that's looking at really it, interesting. In, 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 a, in a different way. I've been thinking a lot about historical and how people do it. And I've always thought that the reason I wouldn't want to write historical fiction is because for me, the kind of physical experience of, my characters is such a big part of it. So I want to know what, you know, what things smell like, what, you know, what their knickers are like. Yeah. And I always think, well, for historical fiction, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that. It would be too other. I want the absolutely, I want to be able to imagine everything about their lives, even though I didn't put it in the book. But that's such an interesting way of seeing it. It's about the kind of exciting contrast between what you know and what you're, imagining from the past yeah and i i'm i'm sort of the same like i have to i have to um i have to experience it in a way i mean obviously like mm. you say I, ha- I haven't grown wings um and you know i haven't time traveled to 1840 but to sort of immerse yourself in that world and to imagine what that would have felt like and i'm i'm really fascinated by history and i you know i'm particularly fascinated by victorians and but I mean, pretty mm. much any time period and Neolithic as well, which is why I love kind of going up to Orkney so much. Mm. And I think it's very easy to kind of feel 
distant from history in a way to kind of be like oh you know those ancestors or they were so different and it's like but they they got hungry and they got tired and they got thirsty and they loved and laughed and danced and sung and you know lit fires and had parties and got drunk and you know all of those things they did all of those all of those things and I think it's I think sometimes sometimes I think we we kind of class them as, as as a bit other when actually it's yeah. that thing of there's there's still us like and the idea one of the things that I wanted to explore in the gifts was that those women are frustrated women were would have been you know were frustrated with their lot they would have been frustrated with their lot they weren't given credit they weren't given those opportunities and and it's um I think a lot of my writing I'm beginning to realize it comes from a place of anger <laughs> <laughs> a sense of anger and injustice rage but, but that immersiveness is really important to me and so mm. I want to one of the reasons I did kind of you know walk the streets of London with my Victorian hat on one of the reasons that I kind of and it's not about becoming the characters it's almost like this is going to sound mad um but like you know the whole thing of a writer is that you make up things in your head and then you try and write them down and then you try and share them with other people and I want to kind of be those characters so sometimes I will imagine that like I go for a walk with them that they're beside me or like I try and think like with um, my botanist character I'm obviously not a botanist I love plants and I love wildlife I'm not a botanist I never will be but what would she notice on you know walking down this Mm. kind of holloway what plants would she notice what's unusual for this time of year Mm. like you know what can those plants be used for and I think kind of that immersive experience is is for me what kind of makes those makes those characters real to me and hopefully makes them real to other people when they read them absolutely yeah and charlotte you talking about your sixth novel whatever that may end up being exciting just sort of made me think of monica alley who was on uh, an earlier episode of this series of, of the podcast um talking about her wonderful new novel love marriage which is her first book in 10 years and she said that part part of the reason that it's it's taken that time between publishing the books was she actually lost confidence in her own writing um and she turned her hand to screenwriting i think and you know sort of left the the novel writing behind but it also made me wonder when we were talking um on on that episode of the podcast if if we're perhaps in a bit of a publishing frenzy and by that i mean whereby readers almost expect a new book from authors every couple of years now that's the sort of thing what what do you think is that is that I think right? it depends on the author and the kind of books they write yeah I mean, obviously okay. in you know, crime or what's annoyingly called women's commercial fiction or thrillers there is hmm. an expectation for even every year and in you know book club sort of accessible literary fiction um which i suppose is what i write um there's more leeway. But, I mean, I didn't mean it to be nine years. I would much rather it had been two years. It wasn't me sort of... Yeah. I wasn't having yeah. a go. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I mean, I, I, I hate that it's been nine years. Um, and also, I was a publisher for 20 years. So, oh, I can just, you know, I know it's not good. <laughs> um, but um, I just, that too many things were going on. Um, yeah in my life and also it was a really hard book to write but the two are obviously connected it took me a really long time to work out what the book I wanted to write was and then Mm. to feel I could do it and then to work out how to do it and those are three very definite stages and and once once though all of those stages or a couple of those stages had 
been decided? Did did you write it fairly quickly or, or has it taken a long time? I've wasted hundreds of thousands of words. Well, maybe wasted is the wrong word, but I've written hundreds of thousands of words to get to this point. Right. And no, there were certain things that fell into place and then, then I was like, oh my God, this is a completely different book. But no, <laughs> aspects of it have stayed the same. It's hard to explain, but basically... Um, I made several really fundamental decisions just in the last maybe year or two of writing it that made it possible to write it. And there was an awful mm. lot of faffing about it before. But, um, you know, I always like writing about adults in relation to their families of origin. I always like writing about sex or at least desire, um, sexual... Um, not even frustration, really, sort of longing. I like writing about longing. Um, mm. I like writing about secrets. So I write about people who are not in love with who they're supposed to be. You know, People who are unhappy in the life that they've been given. Mm. Um, I write about queerness. I write about otherness. I write about all of those things and it's about finding which of those applies to each novel I suppose and it took a really long time to work it out <laughs> yeah but I tell you what Charlotte what what a book to come back with after nine years or Thank a novel you. to come back with I should say after nine years because it's absolutely fantastic That's um, so and lovely I know to Liz hear. loves it yeah well one of the things about not you know being having nine years between novels is um, I mean, I did publish a book about being obsessed with gardening. It is true. But, yes, you um, did. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's sort of different because although it's kind of personal, it's also not personal. It's less personal than fiction in a weird way. Um, mm. So not having published a novel for nine years, I've, you know, it's very nice to hear that people love it. So thank you. That means a lot. Yes, really did. And um, before we ask you uh, what you've both been reading and enjoying recently and then we'll do the book off I just want to um, talk about a, a wonderful writer and friend of our podcast Elizabeth McNeil who said quite recently that there's nothing she doesn't know now about Victorian cemeteries because of all the research that she's been doing for her new book and it made me think Liz of you doing all the research for the gift because you can tell from reading it how well researched it is and yet it's it's very much a show and don't tell and I wondered how you sort of condense all that knowledge down to make sure you're not sort of just reeling off a history lesson and yet we the reader feel like we know a lot more after each chapter. Oh um I guess for me it's like I mean, the research is fascinating, and um, and I'm a magpie, like I guess every writer is, where it's like, oh, that's interesting. Do you know that? Like, you know, like I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'll, right. I'll just pick up that shiny little <laughs> that shiny little nugget. Um, for me, it's like, does it add? Does what does it add? So, if it adds atmosphere, or it adds kind of setting, or it kind of you know, it it, it adds. It has to add something. It either has to push the story along, or it has to add something. Um, it has to kind of it, it has to be there for a reason. Um, so there's so much stuff that just didn't make it into the book that I just love, you know, that's fascinating things like the people who used to, Todgers they were called, sounds a bit unfortunate, um, <laughs> who used to kind of hang around in the sewers and their job was basically to sift through literally um, wee and poo um, and see what, what they could find from it. So you would find like someone had, you know, like flushed, flushed you know, like washed like a ring away or something. So there were people who kind of the sewer men who would, wow. who would literally sift sift through other people's, 
literally rubbish. Uh, uh, and and I'm, I'm trying not to swear. Can I? Can I swear? You can swear. Oh, can I? You can uh, yeah, swear. They're literally, they're literally sifting through shit uh, yeah. to find. To I knew you were itching to say that, Liz. I know I was. Yeah, I was trying to restrain. I'm so bad at being restrained. I'm not. I'm not very good at restraining. Um, but yeah, I like. So lots of fascinating things that just I didn't. I, I didn't put in. Um, so yeah, for me, that's my rule. It has to. It sort of has to be there for a reason. And yes. I think. I remember um, I met Andrew Miller uh, a, f- a few years ago and I-, I asked him when what was his point when he knew that he'd done enough research and he said when he knew what everyone was wearing underneath. That's kind of what I mean. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you said that as well, that it's like that, that for him... It's the underwear the... continuum. Yeah, that, that yeah. for him was, was the rule. For, for me, it's yeah. normally when I get to the point where I've read so many different books that I actually find errors in them <laughs> where I'm like, I think you'll find that was 1832. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, you need... You, you need, stop like, you, you need to away. stop yeah. now. Like, that's yeah. the point where yeah. it's like, yeah, you've, you've done enough now because um, it's endlessly fascinating and it's like I, I love I love learning it's like you know it's, mm. so it's the research black hole is a, a big one to fall down into I don't fancy being a todger Thank no you. I don't fancy being a todger um, <laughs> I do actually though it's interesting that she says about cemeteries because I do nick a lot of character names from, from oh cemeteries. yeah oh, do you do that as well no I well I did, actually do you know what I hadn't thought of that you're completely right Jean Lux who is the mother in Daughters of Jerusalem, um, which is my second novel. I got her name from a tombstone and I'd forgotten that. Oh, wow. Thank you. But no, I mean, there's nothing like a list of names, basically, is there? No. And so a cemetery is great because people in the olden days just had hilarious surnames. (laughs) They had amazing amazing names. And also it's great because you can kind of, you know, for for me, sort of writing the gifts, I have stolen most of the names. If you go to St. Leonard's Churchyard in Ludlow, folks, you will find those characters. (laughs) A lot of characters. They're they're even by the path because I I couldn't be bothered to walk to stray that path from the path. Do a little tour just as you walk along. There's Edward, there's Mary. Um, I am, yeah, um, just because also they're contemporaneous. So it's great. I can just kind of steal their names. And they're not doing anything. They're just sat there. It's a bit they're like... Just, yeah. they're, they're basically a resource. They're a resource, yeah. Do you know that... Uh, You're a know, name todger. I have a name todger. <laughs> <laughs> do you know the meaning of Lyf at all? Are you familiar with the meaning of Lyf? I think I read it when I was young, a child, maybe, or something. What is it? Um, I, no, it was a, there was a book. Yes. Is it, it, is the meaning, it is the meaning of Lyf, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, it's where, um, it, it was Douglas Adams and John Lloyd. Yes. And they, and they had all the sign and it's like names for places. And they're like, but they're not doing anything. And all the things that happen in real life, all those mad little experiences that there's no word for, why don't we <laughs> merge the two? I, it's, yes, it's such yes, a brilliant idea. So like Scraptoft, which I think is a place in Leicestershire, is when a man's kind of gone bald, but grown a long bit and then sort of comes <laughs> over to try and hide the bald patch. Scrapped off. Totally scrapped off. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 brilliant Simmons Yacht, which is not far from here, in sort of um, uh, sort of down down a bit further down south. But Simmons Yacht is when you have a boiled egg and you cut off the top. It's that teaspoon <laughs> of egg that's in the lid, and it is genuinely. But you can play it. The whole idea is that anyone can play it. So as you're driving yeah. around, if you're yeah. bored bored in your car on a motorway, that you can you can make up <laughs> make up the the you oh can my match, god now match I'm the obsessed. place name to the. To, to the description because there are a lot of there are a lot of funny funny place names hours of fun i'm particularly fond yeah. of twat in orkney are mm. you serious yeah it's, it's i've been to twat, twat. i've been, been to twat, twat? Yeah. Yeah. yeah twat it's lovely it's t-w-a-double-t and yeah i'm quite mm-hmm. i'm quite fond of twat 
I always <laughs> imagine too. being on the phone to. Um, <laughs> I'm not commenting. Um, I always imagine being on the phone and having to give your um, address. It's like, yes, Mendelssohn, M-E-N-D-E-L, yes, twat, yes, twat. With, with a double T at the end. Thank you. Yeah. But are you right? Um, there are so fun. many great place names. You've, ex- you've now, you've pinged my book buying button. So now all I can think about is as soon as I'm off this call is quickly getting hold of a copy of the book Meaning of Lift because now I need to read them for myself. It is it is it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. <laughs> Highly recommend. Highly I think rec- we sh- we should all go and and get ourselves a copy if we don't have it of the Meaning of Lift so we can play this game now because it's uh, it's endless yeah. like you say Liz when especially when yeah. you're sort of travelling yeah. around walking or driving or whatever you yeah. see these signs or you or someone says a word just just in life and you go oh you know i can assign that to mm. i don't know the 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 bruise on a uh, not quite ripened piece of fruit um anyway we we should move on i'm aware of the time and we we always ask our guests what they've been reading and enjoying recently. And I know, Charlotte, you've had three novels on the go that you've been reading. Yeah. Um, is there anything that's that stood out that you just want to recommend very quickly that you've read in the last couple of months that's worth sort of mentioning? The one that I am just... Well, OK, I read, um, I read The Books of Jacob, which, if you know, is a thousand pages long. Wow. Polish novel about... Um, Jewish spiritualism in the 18th century, but is a lot more fun than that makes it sound. Um, but the but I just before that I read a very different book called The Last House on Needless Street by Katrina oh, yes. Ward, which yeah, I great. absolutely loved. I thought it was wonderful. And um and now the book that I'm about to finish is I'm in love with it. It's called The Transit of Venus by Shirley Hazard. And Shirley Hazard wrote very few novels. Her most famous one probably is The Great Fire because that was shortlisted for the Women's Prize. But um, but I love The Transit of Venus so much more. It's generally thought to be her best novel and it's unbelievably good. The sentence structure, she has a very odd way of writing so you have to concentrate quite hard to follow. Mm. She has a, a style that's quite peculiar. But the way she talks about all my favourite subjects sort of love and longing and frustration and secrets and bad marriages and weird families oh wow it's so i do this thing i've always done when i'm reading a novel i um i mark the the bits i love with my fingernail i just do a little sort of dent Next oh really? Oh wow! And base, do you as well, Liz? I oh do. My God. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm laughing, ch- laughing because I'm like, oh my God! I thought I was the only person who did that. No, yeah, I'm. Little... I am. Me too. But and basically, the chapter I just read, even thinking about it, gives me slight chills. Um, the chapter I read last night basically is one big thumb mark because it's. I couldn't believe how brilliant it was. So, Transit of Venus, Shirley Hazard. I would recommend to anyone. It's fantastic. Thank you very much. What a lovely set of recommendations. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've written them down with my rubbish little pencil just here. <laughs> <laughs> and what about what about you, Liz? Have you have you found time to uh, be reading, even though you're sort of in in publishing mode? Have you uh, read and enjoyed anything recently that you want to shout about? Oh, I mean, so, yeah, so so many things. I, I mean, I read all. I, 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 it's an addiction, isn't it? Reading, I think. Yeah. Oh is. my god, yeah. It is an addiction. Oh, I mean, I loved, I loved, I loved Charlotte's book so much. I think the exhibitionist is amazing. Um, Thank you. And it, I think, you know what? I mean, it's nothing like Succession, but it has that 
delicious quality of watching watching a family implode um which in real life would be hugely upsetting but in fiction is just so deliciously satisfying to watch to 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 see like you say it is the pressure cooker to see it kind of bubbling 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 and you know it's going to go and 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 you you don't know quite what you've got no idea quite what's going to happen and it's yeah it's it was it was it's delicious it's a book to to it's a book it's a book to binge read and then to reread slowly deliciously thank you so much relishing relishing the joy (laughs) who was your favorite character because i I still don't so few people have read it still i'm very curious to know what works i think lucia i just okay i think yeah um actually saying that makes me kind of makes my heart go a little bit I just, I just, yeah, I, I just, I love, I loved her. I think she's such an extraordinary, she's such an extraordinary character. And I want to, she's one of those characters who you love, but you want to kind of grasp by the shoulders and, and, and sort say, of give get a, a shake. Shake. And, yeah. and, you know, and that's such a hard thing to do, I think, to create a character that you love so much, that you care about so much, but that you also really, you do, you really want to shake her. You really want to go stand up for yourself. Like you're so amazing and she can't, she, she's just been so crushed over such a long period of time in, in that toxic relationship. And I just, yeah, she's, yeah, she's, she's my favorite. Although, you I mean, really Ray get is it. so magnificent. I mean, he is magnificently monstrous. So that's just what I keep yeah. going back to. He's so mighty <laughs> yeah. ass. Mag- yeah. Like he's, yeah. So I, yeah. So yeah, I mean, so I loved, I absolutely loved The Exhibitionist and I've Thank read, what else have I read recently that I loved? The Empty Greatcoat, actually, by Rebecca F. John, which is out, I think, at the end of this month, is an extraordinary book. I love, I love her writing. I think she's amazing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's immersive and beautiful and it's, it's uh, about a soldier in, uh, on the front in World War One, and I've never read anything that to me captures really captures that sense of dislocation and that sense of absolute sleep deprivation that almost like hallucination and dream and nightmare but it's mm. so beautifully written and so passionate about about friendship actually and it's I think it's quite rare to read a book that is absolutely about male friendship in a period setting felt really it's just an extraordinary book. I loved it. And then I, I, I really, really, really loved uh, Lizzie Pook's Moonlight and the Perler's Daughter, which is a piece of historic fiction set in Australia. It is just a cracking, rollicking read. And it made me yeah. kind of go, oh, I kind of want to go to Australia. And then all the bitey insects and all the heat and the dust. And I was like, oh, I really... I really don't I want, want to, to stay in Ludlow. I don't want to go to Australia. <laughs> I'm going to stay in Ludlow and go to the And in Twat. I'm going to go, yeah, and then I'll go to Orkney and visit Twat. I'm, I'm done. But, um, yeah, they're, they're kind of a couple that I... That I really enjoyed recently. Fantastic. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Brilliant. Thank you so much for those recommendations. And it's time now for another recommendation from each of you because it's time for the book off where each of you has got three minutes to tell us about a book you love that you think we should all read. Oh, the gloves are really off, aren't they? Um, and before we find out what they are, we've got to do a bit, bit of admin. We've got to decide who goes first and who goes second. And we've got to decide who is going to be uh, rung out by the school bell or honked out by the bicycle horn at their three-minute mark. Oh, so, it's quite stressful. Yes, it does, it, it does have that effect, actually, Charlotte, on a lot of people, strangely. Um, Liz, as you're uh, technically uh, travelling, you're being beamed down the furthest. Uh, would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I want to go second because, um, oh, because I want to hear about Villette because I know what Charlotte's choice is. And also, you want to see I, what Charlotte's made of. I, I, well, oh, well, and also because I haven't, I haven't reread it for a long time, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah. I'm, okay. wait, I'm, wait, I'm waiting and, for Charlotte to persuade me that I need, that I need to up <laughs> it on my, on okay. my rereading. Okay. And Charlotte, which, um, as I said, you don't have to use your three minutes, but if you're still talking at the three minute mark, we will be honking or ringing you out. Which would would stress you out less, the honk or the bell? Can I can I listen to the beginning? It's like being at the opportunity. Yes, of course you may. Of course, darker yes, or this darker? Yeah. Oh my god! Um, could <laughs> could you sing me a soothing lullaby instead? <laughs> oh no oh option? no 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 okay no. then the first one the honk i think the bell is better um, the bell okay. the bell the bell yeah fine that's very good um i'm going to put three minutes on the clock then charlotte as i said it's uninterrupted right. and it's over to you to tell us about the book of your choice just I'm before i started Hang on. um <laughs> just before we we set it off what book are you putting forward again just reminders i am putting forward villette by charlotte bronte Fantastic. All right, three minutes on the clock and it's over to you. So, Villette is the book that I tell people, not even suggest, but tell people to read most often because I am furious by how underrated it is. Most people haven't heard of it. A few people go, oh yeah, what? Uh, and everyone bangs on endlessly about Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre has marvellous aspects, but is for me ruined by the whole sappy Sinjin nonsense in the middle. And, okay, Villette. Villette is Charlotte Bronte's last novel. It is a masterpiece of cross, introverted, secretive, unreliable narrator brilliance. So Lucy Snow, who is the protagonist and the voice of the novel, um, is plain and doesn't really have friends and knows it and doesn't care. So unlike in most fiction, including Jane Eyre, where the protagonist goes, oh, I'm not very pretty and um, I've never known love, but then everyone falls in love with them, yeah? 
Oh no, not Lucy Snow. Lucy Snow is furious. She's much cleverer than everyone else. She's basically a furious young novelist. So she's cleverer than everyone else. She's extremely plain and she's pissed off. And she has this weird childhood marked by tragedy, of course. And then she goes to Brussels, which she would have thought would finish anyone off anyway. But no, there's more to come. Basically, she falls in love. Well, she falls in love in England and then in Brussels. And she is heartbroken. Her love is agonising. She is rejected. Um, she sees irritating, if it's not unfair to say blonde people, um, getting the person that she loves. And she, I'm sure dark-haired, is, well, I don't know actually for sure, is not successful in love. She is clever. She is overlooked. It's all rubbish. And in the end, she finds love. And then maybe it goes horribly wrong, but the ending is unclear. But the point about it is, it's about, well, it's about unrequited love. It's about frustrated sexual longing. It's about sexy gardens at night. It's about teaching children at long tables in languages that you don't necessarily know terribly well. It's about weird Gothic architecture. It's about Gothic feeling inside someone who appears small, low-key, and maybe not terribly interesting. So it's about... It's about inner life. Um, and it's so brilliant. The writing is extraordinarily good. But mainly, you just feel so passionately for Lucy and identify with her. But also, yeah, like Liz says, you sort of want to save her. And you want her to get love. And her, um, you're about to ring that bloody bell, aren't you? And then, her, in the end, her loved one built her a little house. Oh, my God. What more? What more? <laughs> I'm, I'm in. Oh, I'm fantastic. In. You better Brilliant be, because honestly, well I'm going to make you read it when I come to Ludlow. <laughs> it's, a book I, it's a book I did read. I read, I read it a couple of times, but a long time ago. And it really? did really yeah. stay with me as a... You're right, Lucy, Lucy Snow, that fierceness, that... Yeah. We'll come back and talk about it in a moment because that was a brilliant pitch. You can have a little uh, breather now, Charlotte. Thank now, you. You've, you've done your work. Lucy Snow, she takes no shit. But you can't yeah. put that on the front of a penguin. <laughs> no, not really. I think that not should really. be the quote on the cover. Yeah. yeah. New, a new reversion, so. modern classic. Well, yeah, oh, that would work. Lucy Snow takes no shit, Charlotte Mendelssohn. Maybe they could get away yes, with that yes, on the back. Yeah, so you it could frighten yeah. children. <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, it's over to you then, Liz, for your book off. I'm putting three minutes back on the clock. And just before we start it, tell us the book that you are pitching us today. Um. I'm pitching Hawkfall by George Mackay Brown and not George Mackay right. Brown, as I called him for many years until I went to Scotland and someone told <laughs> and me I And then got told. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Hawkfall by George Mackay Brown. Fantastic. Three minutes back on the clock then, uninterrupted, and it's over to you, Liz. Oh, uh, I, was, I don't know what I was waiting for then. I was waiting for a starter gun or something. I'm wasting time by just waffling now. Um, so, George... <laughs> Thank you, Charlotte. I'll, have to, I'll take the pop. Um <laughs> George Mackay Brown, oh, he's, he's such an extraordinary writer, and I feel like, like Charlotte was saying um, uh, with Villette, it's, it's the underrating. Um, Mackay Brown was from Stromness in Orkney, he's um, an Orcadian writer through and through, and I think Seamus Heaney said something about him, that um, all of his stories are passed through the eye of the needle of Orkney, and he writes about everything and nothing. He writes about landscape, he writes about love and life and loss, he writes about ritual, it's about the importance of storytelling. 
it's about the importance of I don't know it's, it's about the human condition and Hawkfall is a series of short stories and there are stories within stories and it's about mythology it's about love and war and fighting clans <laughs> it's about everything it's the whole of human experience and it's written extraordinarily beautifully he was a poet as well and he lived in Orkney I think almost his entire life I think he went to Edinburgh for a while and then went back to Orkney um and it's just it's extraordinary to to read something that is so rooted in a, a specific place and I guess if you like someone like Alan Garner with that same sense of sort of being rooted in Audley Edge and Cheshire then Mackay Brown is 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 someone for you and I just don't think enough people have heard of him. Um, I don't think he's as well known as he used to be. I think he's very, very loved up in Orkney and um, and in Scotland. But he's an absolutely extraordinary writer. And when I first came across him, when I first went up to Orkney and kept seeing his books everywhere, and I was like, who is this man? And I, I, fell, in, I fell in love with his writing like I fell in love with those islands. It's amazing, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. Not just Hawkfall, but all of his other books as well. But Hawkfall, because it's short stories. I'm, Joe's nodding in a way that makes me think I'm running out of time. Um, <laughs> but because it's short stories, you can dip in and out of it. And each each story is so potent. It's so rich. The writing is delicious, um, and it is it's extraordinary. I can't. I cannot recommend just flicking through the pages of any George Mackay Brown and discovering this incredible writer who deserves to be much, much, much better known. I love him and I hope I hope that some of you will read read him and, and fall in love with him too. And then go to Orkney if you haven't already been. <laughs> That's it, I'm done. Fantastic. Twenty seconds to spare as well, Liz, so well done. Brought it in under the wire. You totally sold Um, him to me, I have to say. I'm definitely going to read him now. He's, I mean, I think it's because he was a poet as well. He just has a particular way of of using language and his stories are so rooted in that kind of mythology and culture and ritual of those those Mm. islands that, you know, Orkney is such a extraordinary place and I think it's quite a hard place to to write about in many ways because it is so rich in history that you can sort of stand there and see you know neolithic structures you can see stuff from the two world wars you can see all the most amazing wildlife there's all these different layers of different things and he his writing is absolutely infused with that sense of that sense of history that sense of time like deep time but just exquisitely open to you as a reader it doesn't feel cut off like i think sometimes you know, writing that is rooted in a specific place can feel like very separate and distant from you. But yeah. he he brings you in, he draws you in. I, I I love him, and yeah. Oh, I so hope you like it, Charlotte. I will read. I really will. Is that the one to start with? I think. I, I mean, for me, yeah, because it's the short. Because it's the short. Because it's stories. Okay. So it's. Um, yeah. I'm gonna put it on my list. Yeah, yeah, because it's because it's short stories. You can dip in and out of it, and particularly particularly for you at the moment, reading your three other books. <laughs> You can you can have these little nuggets of 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 beauty and wonder. Mm. Once you've read him, you'll really love him and kind of be be passionate about him and try and try and spread spread the word. Really, it's the underratedness mm. like you were saying with Villette, like that kind of people pass it over and you know for for other books. When I was in Orkney with um, Anne Cleves, um, I got told about him for the first time by. Um, a wonderful uh, musician and artist up there called um, Erlen Cooper. And I've only read his um, poetry. So this short story collection sounds 
absolutely fabulous and I did love the poems that I read by him and I love Orkney as well Liz I think we share a sort of love of it and I've been very lucky to have to have been a couple of times and would go back in a in a heartbeat I need and, to go, and Charlotte you I? must go yeah you must. Oh my God. yeah yeah honestly yeah. Charlotte you must go I mean it's it's somewhere that really gets under your skin um, oh my mm. god how so first... I love wild it is it's mm. it's extraordinary the wildlife's extraordinary the setting's extraordinary everyone is so <gasps> friendly and welcoming and helpful and like I say Ooh. all those layers of history but the the, the, the weather is so wild, you know, that the, the kind of yeah. joke is that you get you get all the seasons in a single day and it's like you can get them in a single hour. <laughs> like it is. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go. You've convinced me. It's phenomenal. <laughs> and I love that you love it so much, Joe, as well. And also, Earl, yeah, Erlen Cooper, one of my absolute favourite musicians. I listened to a lot of his music when I was writing. There's bits in the gift set in Orkney. Um, and yeah, I listened to it. And you listened to him, I've, lis- I've listened to it. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan. Like Erlen and the Carnival and then... His more recent stuff is amazing, yeah. He is really wonderful. And, yeah, so he he sort of put me on to Mackay Brown, and now you've made me think, right, I want to go and read this short story collection. So thank you for that wonderful pitch. And, Charlotte, I I, I just felt the passion from you uh, about <laughs> Villette, I must say, because I loved how you said you t- you tell people to read this book. You don't sort of suggest it. You no. just thrust it into yeah, their hands. I just say you've got to. It's so brilliant. <laughs> You're missing out. I also wrote down in capitals "sexy gardens at night," which I thought was a very uh, brilliant, brilliant part of your. It's pitch. one of my favourite like, themes. Mm. I've got a sexy garden at night in the exhibitionist actually, and now yes, thinking yeah. about it, I'm wondering if there might be a connection. It's probably yeah. a connection, isn't it? Do you sexy think gardens somehow? Gardens at night. I mean, honestly, what more could you want? I mean, I just loved everything about that pitch about about the the narrator who's you know just pissed off and she's cleverer than everyone else she's plain she doesn't have friends she doesn't care I mean brilliant um and yet you as a reader feel very passionately about her as well um I mean two very different books two brilliant pictures where do I go um I can't believe you have to choose I wouldn't be able to choose. I can't believe and I was no, one you know, I've se- and also I came up with this idea what have I done to I myself really? <laughs> you fall you fall yeah. do you know what I'm good I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Valette. Oh, oh, yeah. Can I say you? I'm glad you've gone with Valette because everyone needs to read it. But I think Liz has won for basically. She's now made me want to go to Orkney and Ludlow and Ludlow. an entire writer's yeah. oeuvre. So <laughs> I'd say it's a fairly. Who's the overall story. winner? Yeah. Who's the overall winner? You know. <laughs> Um, I think I, w- I would have chosen Villette as well. And also, you already, you know, you know, you know Mackay Brown stuff anyway. So that's, you know, I think, I think, but I think, should, I think Villette, ask... Villette needs, needs, uh, needs more love. I think it, it needs more does. love. It does. It does. Thank you. But I am going to Charlotte, you me. sold it I'm so well. I'm going to read it in twat, maybe. For a <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> take, take a coffee up to twat. That's what <laughs> I'd do. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Can start a kind of tourist campaign. Take it to Twat. Take your Twat. <laughs> your favourite novel tour. The Twat Literature yeah. Festival. I tell you what, we're going to have to do a book off live from Twat. I think that's that's got to happen <gasps> so at some up point. For it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The yeah, twat live audio. All right, no, the no, Twat. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll have to Sorry. workshop that. I think Charlotte. we'll have to workshop that. 
The Exhibitionist by Charlotte Mendelssohn is out on the 17th of March and available to pre-order now, of course, if you're listening before that date, and it's published by The Fabulous Mantle. And The Gifts by Liz Hyder is also out now, and it's published by Manila Press. I cannot recommend these books highly enough. I've loved reading them both. I've loved spending this time with you both as well. Thank you so much for joining us on Book Off for your wonderful recommendations, and here's to our trip to Twat in the not-too-distant future. Twat ahoy! Thank you both. Thank you both very much. I really love that. I could carry this on all day very happily. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.